What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, Montreal smoked meat. The Habs polish off the Jets, but Game 4 shows why you want to finish off a team when you can. Meanwhile, the Bruins show why dominating a team doesn't always get you a win, and now they find themselves playing the blame game. A pair of big games on the ice tonight, while one game has to be a bet, and the other has conflicting information for us to make a bet. Plus, the Bucks stink, the Suns sun the Nuggets, and tonight's NBA slate. Are you willing to trust the Clippers East and West? It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. It's a celebration in Montreal, like New Year's Eve 2001 for me. Uh, we're just relieved over here, right? Because as much as you get to the 3 nothing point of the program in a series that was a complete domination by Montreal, it's still hockey. And yesterday's game just sort of tells you kind of how difficult it is to close out these series. And, and you can be dominant and it can get really, really dicey, right? It's Montreal's best game of the series, but still manages to go to overtime because the Jets are doing their best Jetsy way to continue this series where they get two goals in like three minutes from the same defenseman who had like, you know, three goals all season long and no goals yet in the playoffs. Like that's the most Jetsy thing you can possibly get, right? Where it's just sort of non-high danger chance. Carey Price should be able to see these pucks, and he just misses them. Not trashing Carey Price by any stretch of the imagination. That guy's been nails. Um, but, you know, like these are kind of the fluky or sort of, you know, unaccounted for type goals that Winnipeg gets a lot. And, you know, you kind of felt like, all right, well, you're going to, you know, Connor, Ehlers, one of these guys, you're going to find a third goal here at some point. And Winnipeg just doesn't. And that's great. We get to overtime and Montreal gets a goal relatively early. And we all sort of, you know, <laughs> Bergevin, the GM, is up there and he's going absolutely nuts. Over here, it's more just, all right, everybody, shake hands, you know, high fives, you know, congratulations, everybody. We did it because, again, after three games, you're feeling obviously pretty good, but you just never know when it comes to the NHL because it's 2.88 to 1.64 in the expected goals for yesterday. As mentioned, the best that much, the most lopsided, I really should say, uh, that any of these games had actually been. 14 to 9 in the high danger chances, and Montreal converts just one out of their 14, and Winnipeg converts zero of their nine. And so for the series, it ends up being Montreal. 61.8% of the expected goals for, 11.25 uh, per game in the high danger chances, which is just an outrageously high number for Montreal, if you've been following this season, and 6.75 for Winnipeg, which is just only really slightly below average for them, as we'd sort of talked about, um, you know, that they hadn't been creating these high danger chances as much as sort of people give them credit for based on the names of the guys on the top two lines and you know how do you create a name for yourself well you go to the playoffs a bunch of times and maybe you have some success in the playoffs here and there like the Jets have had 20 what 17 2018 2019 but you know again like that's not the name on the back of the jersey, as they say, right? Like, that's not going to get it done. So um, we talked yesterday about how going into this game, 
we had over 60% of the expected goals for for Montreal, which is sort of what our numbers indicated it would be. Now, it's hard to really believe that because that is such, you know, kind of a crazy number to think, especially for a team that was allegedly the underdogs going into the into the series. So um, they convert six out of 45 uh, in their high danger chances, which is just over 13%. So again, Montreal, it's not like they were getting particularly lucky. There was no outlier situation on that end. But for Winnipeg, one out of 27 on their high danger chances converted. So first and foremost, right, just think about 45 versus 27. Montreal had 18 more chances. So, you know, tough scene for the Montreal got lucky crowd out there. You don't get lucky by dominating the way that they did. Uh, Winnipeg, I suppose a little bit unlucky, going one out of 27. If they had added two goals along the way. Right, which would have put them at three of twenty-seven, which would have you know gotten them a lot closer to league average. If they had gotten two goals along the way, would that made of a would would that have made a difference? Right, like I don't know. You know obviously, it depends when those goals had would have come. If they had come in say overtime yesterday, that would have extended it to uh, a fifth game. But you know, I don't know that two more goals is going to change this series in its entirety from a you know luck standpoint. So you take all of those numbers. And, you know, I think that's obviously interesting because we, you know, get to pat ourselves on the back for being correct uh, in the Super Bowl of hockey handicapping, which is the column that I wrote for the Action Network at the start of the series, and that the people who don't believe in analytics, right, the people who just don't <laughs> don't believe in it as if it's like a ghost or something, you know, they're, they're going to line up on the Winnipeg Jets, and that's what they did, and, you know, you can go through all of the tweets and the replies, um, you know, of various media members who didn't think Montreal had much of a chance. But you take that, all those numbers stemming from this series and you compare them to the other game that was going on last night, the Islanders and the Bruins. And you might say to yourself, well, okay, like, that's great. Like, we, we're all over the Habs. But why not the Islanders? You know, where, where were you on the Islanders, Matt? Well, you know, fundamentally different situation right like Montreal better team going into the series that we felt based on you know our numbers and you know then it plays out that way whereas Boston better team based on our numbers not high enough for us to back the Bruins at any point in this series right from a game to game standpoint and certainly not even before the series even started we were just taking that series price in as we talked about yesterday but over the course of this entire series, like Boston has continued to be that better team, right? That better team at even strength. Last night was mad, it was pretty drastic. What, 45 to 19, something like that from a shots on goal standpoint. But 2.42 to 1.02 in the expected goals for, for Boston. 6 to 2 in the high danger chances. And so going into that game, Boston had 57 uh, excuse me, 56.45% of the expected goals for. Well, before the series started, our numbers cranked out 57.75. Okay, so like that's pretty much the exact same. So, you know, we got, you know, from a predictive standpoint, we're getting the numbers that we would assume that we were going to get, that we would project to get here from Boston. They're just not translating that into victories, which again, you know, is sort of like last night's game in Montreal, with the exception of not going to overtime and not getting uh, the quote-unquote better team to score that overtime goal. So, you know, you look at yesterday, and, you know, on yesterday's show, we talked about how Boston 
had this really low high danger chance conversion rate, right? And that, you know, New York was around average. And so we're sort of waiting. And again, could it happen the very next day? Could it happen over the last three games of the series or, or you know, theoretical three games of the series? Or would it take 100 games for Boston to get back close to 15% or the 14% average that we expect from any NHL team at any given sample size? And, you know, we talked about obviously, okay, there could be an explosion here. I think I, re- I think I said three out of nine, like they could very well have three out of nine and get this thing, you know, this um, you know, regression to the mean right back on track. Well, they go two out of six, right? So almost, right? We were, we were one third, right? We just didn't get the nine high danger chances for Boston. And so that's a, you know, 33%. You throw that on to what was it? 5%, something along those lines that we talked about yesterday. And now all of a sudden, like they're getting closer and closer to their average or their expected average. Whereas the Islanders here get just two high danger chances at even strength. They convert one of them. So, you know, again, from a predictive standpoint, what are we trying to predict? Well, we're trying to predict how many expected goals for and how many high danger chances there are going to be within reason and within the ratio between the two teams. Well, again, Boston gets 75% of the expected goals for, uh, excuse me, 75% of the high danger chances and, you know, 60% of, better than 60% of the expected goals for. And so, wait, Islanders win? like five to four in a pretty ridiculous game. How does that happen? Well, they score three out of four times on the power play. Now, Bruce Cassidy goes on and he's talking about how, you know, really not a sick burn uh, that the Islanders, they're not the New York Islanders, they're the New York Saints. What? Again, I don't know what a better burn necessarily would have been in that situation, but, you know, at least my guy's trying something out there. But they only had four power plays. Like, feel free to kill one. Well, they killed one. But feel free to kill two, Bruce, right? 75% on the power play for the Islanders. Not going to get it done if you're the Bruins. And, you know, frankly, their quality of play at even strength was what kept them in that game and made the last five minutes of that game interesting. But you can't give up three power play goals in the same way that, you know, Carolina can't take penalties to Tampa and Vegas can't take penalties to Colorado. It's all the same thing. We just didn't have that expectation of the Islanders, but for one game and one game only, potentially, the Islanders were absolutely nails on their power play, and that gives them the 5-4 victory. And you look at this series now, and, you know, let's go back to the Montreal thing real quick, right? Where we go, okay, you know... 61.8% of the expected goals for. Well, we go back to Boston and New York here, and it's 2.44 to 1.71 on the expected goals for for Boston, right? So, like, pretty darn close to what Montreal had going against Winnipeg. Obviously not quite there, but, you know, a pretty significant advantage of 0.7 goals per game here, right? That's 2.8 goals over the course of four games, 3.5 over the course of five games. So, you know, Boston's not doing that much less than Montreal was doing against Winnipeg. They're not just getting the the results, right? A little bit of a difference from a high danger chance standpoint, right? We talked 11.25 for the series for Montreal to 6.75 for Winnipeg. Well, 6.2 for the Islanders. They're actually getting less high danger chances than Winnipeg is. Boston not getting as many either, 8.6. So 8.6 to 6.2, obviously not an 11 to uh, 6.75 discrepancy there. But again, point is, is Boston's not doing that much worse 
against the Islanders than Montreal did against Winnipeg. Montreal got the four-game sweep. Boston, you know, facing elimination back at the Nassau County Coliseum on, what day is that? Wednesday, I believe. So, you know, you sort of shrug your shoulders in that case. Uh, the good news is, is like we haven't been backing the Bruins because the price has been different, right? So you're getting the same uh, on-ice result from Boston at a, you know, what was it, last night got up to minus 200, whereas Montreal, the number goes down again. <laughs> it went to minus 140 from minus 150, made a cameo at minus 155, but then shot down to minus 140. So again, people were still backing the Jets yesterday. Like, they just kept doing it, and it was just hilarious. And so, you know, there's one thing when you're backing the Jets and they lose, and you go, okay, like, what on earth could you possibly see in that bet? Whereas, you know, if you're betting Boston at minus 180, you know, we talked about our number being sort of in the minus uh, one. 60s right in the middle of the uh, uh you know the um you know the seesaw between uh, between prices right where we had plus 160 on one side minus 180 on the other and so boston you know people bet that up to minus 200 but like at least you can sort of see the point of it especially in hindsight where you go okay like yeah of course you know you made that bet they outshot them 45 to 20 right like I'd probably make that bet too, just on based on that antiquated concept of shots on goal before I even saw the expected goals for, which again, were 2.42 to 1.02. And so, you know, not hard to figure out the math for the Islanders, by the way, right? Like the expected goals for at even strength was one. They had one high danger chance conversion and they scored two goals at even strength, right? So they got one extra, one full extra than they were supposed to. And then obviously the difference maker was the three out of four on the power play. Anyway, uh, interesting game six. Of course, we'll talk a lot about that tomorrow. Uh, tonight, Tampa Bay and Carolina, right? So again, the reiteration of what we're doing there. Um, fundamentally, right, the handicap of this series was coin flip series. Um, you know, value appears to be on Carolina by a fraction here. I think it's going seven. You know, we have a bunch of different bets that we can make here that would sort of take advantage of that concept. And from, again, expected goals for standpoint, 1.69 for Tampa Bay, 1.73 for Carolina at even strength. So again, what is that? That is dead even with Carolina a slight edge, right? So that kind of adds up to we should be in better position than we are here down three to one. If you go game by game, right, you go back to the first game, the first two games in Carolina. So, you know, fundamentally for this game five, my price here, my true money line is 117, right? And that's for Carolina. So minus 117 Carolina plus 117 for Tampa Bay. And we can go back to games one and games two where, you know, game one, uh, it was, you know, basically a pick 'em minus 110 on either side, and you know Carolina plays well. They play better than Tampa Bay. It's a two to one Tampa Bay win because Nadelkovic gives up a soft goal in the third period. Okay, so you go all right, bad break. Second game, Carolina plays even better, but similar situation. Tampa Bay gets takes advantage of a couple of opportunities. They take a two nothing lead. Carolina gets a goal. Comes awfully close to scoring the tying goal with the goalie pulled but again it's a 2-1 loss and we go okay very evenly played first two games sucks though that Tampa Bay got both of them again you would expect one out of those two games to go Carolina's way and that might be the difference between you know in this series and it's not that hard to figure out we probably knew it back then right when you lose the first two games at home you're probably not going to win a ton of series right and again if it's a little bit different you know 
one goal goes in. Vasilevsky, not quite that great. Ndelkovic, you know, plays a little bit better, doesn't give up that goal in game one. And maybe we have a 2-2 series going into this game and you're feeling a lot like Vegas, Colorado, or you're feeling a lot like New York and Boston, but you're probably feeling a lot better because in both of those cases, Boston 2-2 going into that game had been the better team at even strength. Same thing with Vegas and Colorado. Strangely enough, though, in favor of Vegas, which of course we'll talk about here next. So, you know, again, this is the more, this is the kind of the most even, it's not even kind of, it is the most evenly played series of this group. But now that we have game five here and the price for Carolina is plus 105. Well, what's really changed other than just the results of these games, which again, Tampa gets game four having been down four to two in that game. Like there's a lot of different worlds in which Carolina wins that game being up four two in the second period. But now Carolina's plus 105 in a game that I have them at minus 117. The market had them in game one and game two at minus, well, 110 in game one, and then even got as high as minus 120 in game two. All right. So the last time these two teams played, Carolina was minus 120. Well, what's changed from then until now, right? Like maybe we're less certain about the Carolina goaltending situation. I would imagine Nadelkovic gets his chance again because Mrazek was so bad in game four. You know, who knows? But none of those things should change anything when it comes to pricing this game. So, you know, normally I would sort of say, hey, like we're trying to get this thing to a game seven. Like, let's sort of back off here. Um, I will say that for game six, even if there is and there will be there. You know, again, if there is a game six, there will be value because the price is going to be, you know, plus 140, plus 150, something along those lines. Right. Um but, you know, we're, again, already invested from a series standpoint in getting this to a Game 7. That being said, the value here, like, it just adds up too much here to Carolina, um, given all the circumstances, and getting better than even money here with Carolina. And, again, you might even want to wait, right? Worst case, it goes to plus 100. I doubt it skips all the way back over to minus 105. But best case is maybe it gets to plus 110, plus 115, because, again, people like betting on the Tampa Bay Lightning. We called Tampa Bay you know, the Colorado of the East, right? That they are the same team, just with a tougher path. Well, that brings us to Vegas and Colorado. And for, you know, speaking of my price, my price for this game, based on all the regular season priors, and if we had just skipped ahead four games from before this, you know, series started, would be minus 200 for Colorado tonight. And you go, man, minus 200, like that's really high. Uh, game two was minus 185, right? So... You know, things go a little bit differently. They would have to go a lot of bit differently uh, in Vegas, and Colorado would have been probably pushing minus 200, right? But here we are, and now it's minus 140 up to minus 145 right now. And so from a market standpoint, you're sitting there looking at it going, okay, um, that's a really good deal on Colorado based on, you know, even, you know, Russell's numbers at minus 200, or even the market price at minus 185 from just two games ago. But then you ask yourself, why? Why has this number changed? Well, because what we've seen over the last, not just two games in Vegas, but three games, and then when we add in that game one, that again was more evenly played than the scoreboard gave it credit for. And we look at Vegas, and again, remember the numbers, you know, it doesn't have to be exact, obviously, but like, you know, 11.25, 6.75. That was Montreal, Winnipeg. The numbers here are 11.5 to 5.5 in the high danger chance category for Vegas. So, like, they're outplaying Colorado at this point at even strength. 
even worse, even better, if you will, from, again, creating high danger chances than Montreal to Winnipeg. And 2.43 to 1.12 in the expected goals for at even strength, right? That is better than 66%. Like, Vegas is killing Colorado. Five on five. Now, a lot of that has to do with massive domination in game three and four in Vegas. But again, very competitive, if not the better team over the course of the first two games. Certainly the second game. The second game isn't, you know, isn't even really arguable. And so we sit here and we talked about it yesterday where our futures buy prices for Colorado were still good bets, right? And, you know, the idea of can anybody beat them four of seven and, you know, two games ago we were wondering if that was even possible. And now we're wondering if they can even play with Vegas right now. And so, you know, again, we have to look at the numbers. And even if we're in what we sort of feel is a bad position. Now, again, the funny thing is, is both those prices, right, plus 500 for the Stanley Cup, uh, plus 125 to win the West are still good prices in the market because, you know, again, you can grab Vegas right now at plus 125 and plus 135 for the series and get out of it entirely. They are plus 375 for the Stanley Cup. You can put some on Vegas right now and just kind of roll with either team, you know, going up again sort of depends on how you feel, you know, about Montreal. But you can get out of this in a way that, you know, is going to, you know, take away or sort of limit, um, you know, your risk. Obviously, the risk would be that Montreal beats either of these two teams, which, you know, a week ago sounded insane, but it's starting to seem a little bit less insane. That being said, you know, we're going to have to crunch those numbers in the next couple of days once we get a matchup. And I really, I could probably do both and kind of come up with a, a compare and contrast. But until we get a price on Montreal against either of these teams, you know, who's to say what, you know, whether there's going to be value, right? Like it's an exercise that doesn't really get us anywhere. So um, fundamentally for this game, you know, what do you believe in, right? Do you believe in the market price being, you know, what it was and what it is now and consider that a deal for Colorado? Or do you look at the advanced metrics, right? Like unfortunately, like unlike Winnipeg and Montreal, like there's no clear cut decision here to make. You know, you could just sit there and go, okay, like we're still favored here with Colorado to win this game. If they do, that means that the worst case scenario, they're getting a game seven at home. And you just go, okay, like I'll let my one unit ride here, right? Like this isn't a high stakes game necessarily, um, even though it kind of feels that way with the, you know, quote unquote momentum here rolling towards Vegas. So, you know, not everything is going to be as cut and dry. And that's certainly the case here. Uh Elsewhere, as for the NBA, speaking of things that are cut and dry, frankly, the Milwaukee Bucks just stink. <laughs> like, I mean, again, we always sort of talk about like, you know, what are these teams, you know, they're trying to tell you who they are, right? And we refer to like the Clippers and some of these other teams, but like Milwaukee's getting to be in that category, right? Whether it's the Raptors, whether it's the Heat, and now Brooklyn. Now Brooklyn, very good team here, and I think people sort of don't give them enough credit. When Harden goes down, it's like, oh, okay, now they're just a big two. Well, okay, like Griffin is, you know, found this fountain of youth, and you get guys like Landry Shamit coming off the bench and getting buckets, and, you know, you're watching this game, and like Brown, and you're like, man, there's a lot of guys on this team that can play beyond just, you know, obviously the headliner type guys here. Meanwhile, over for the Bucks, they can't get anything out of Chris Middleton, who's doing his best CJ McCollum impersonation, right? And he's going to need, those two guys should get a place together when all this is done. And you're watching before the game, the line move, 
And, you know, I was confused about how it had moved from four and a half all the way down to one and a half when talking with Sheldon yesterday. And then it flips. It flips. It jumps the fence to Milwaukee being a road favorite. And I was just like, I don't really understand anything to do with this. Right. And so, you know, as I talked about yesterday with our plan with regards to grabbing, you know, Bucks money line when they were, you know, significant ish underdogs and the, you know, under the total, luckily that that, that went by the wayside with the Harden injury, even though, again, that didn't seem to matter one iota. So we save ourselves a, you know, game unit from that standpoint. But that series is absolutely toast, it looks like, at this point. The good news is Phoenix minus five is a winner. They have a big second half. Uh, opportunities to get in live in the second quarter, um, you know, which, again, listen, they covered all numbers, but, you know, NBA, right? You can sort of see opportunities um, live here. Uh, as for tonight, Philly minus five and a half seems high, but probably for a reason, right? History is littered with overreactions to the first game of a series. Um, am I betting this? Certainly not. I think the better play, if you like, you know, Philly going forward, was to grab that minus 110 on the series price that we talked about yesterday. Um, listen, now it's minus 130 little bit higher than that that's a pass for me this series you know again if philly is turning into the clippers east which i know i just called milwaukee the clippers like is everybody the clippers or is this just the nba at this point you know shoulder shrug who knows uh the other the other game i think is a little bit more interesting right utah's up to minus four from minus three and a half which it was yesterday sheldon and i talked about my dicey plan to take jazz in game one you know, at that short line, which of course has bumped up a half. Um, and then the clips for the series. One wrinkle in all of this, Mike Conley, you know, questionable for this game. You know, again, don't want to be going into this game shorthanded if you're the Utah Jazz. Uh, that being said, if he's cleared, uh, I think the Jazz are a play at home. And then again, we would come back on the clips for the series after that. Uh, that's it for this show. I'm keeping it tight here um, because tomorrow things could get off the rails from a length standpoint. Our boy Ted, I know it's Tuesday. He's not here again. You're like, what's going on? Maybe you're not. Who knows? Uh, but he is on the books for a full Euro 2020 preview. I know, as you know, I know nothing about soccer. I know nothing about any of these teams. He does. I'm going to ask him a whole bunch of crazy, ridiculous questions. I'm going to mock some of the countries that are even in this event. Um, did you know North Macedonia was a country? I didn't. Um, so that should be fun. Um, and maybe it ends up being profitable. I love betting this stuff. Um, you know, World Cup and, and Euro every two years. I strangely do well because I don't really have any preconceived biases i don't have them at all because i don't know anything about these teams and i usually just have a couple of beers with ted and he tells me about the teams and then i just sort of extrapolate stuff from that so we're going to try to do that tomorrow uh, unfortunately without the beers um and then of course we're going to look back at hopefully a series extending game in carolina and review all the other action that went down tonight as always, subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. At Emrus Authentic is the handle on Twitter and the Action Network app. The underscore window underscore podcast on Betspurts. Until tomorrow, I'll see you at the window.